for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. We had uh, an interesting time on the way back from bottom of Spain because we stopped off for four days in Al. And, and Sue, she's, I just want to honour my wife in this because she's really wanted to press in into supernatural healing and and Sue put her hands on, with permission put her hands on these ladies' knees and were very arthritic. And within four or five minutes, she was totally pain-free. And it's great when you see, you know, these super-duper healing ministries do it, but it was my wife was involved in healing. You know, it was Jesus did, but, but Sue reached out in, in, in faith and, and the, the lady was crying. And I thought, oh, this is wonderful. Didn't say she was healed, but she said she was pain-free. Because if it, to be healed, you need to go and test it to the doctors, yeah? But she was pain-free, and she was moving her legs around and walking, and she went out of that church meeting, happy in God. We, we've got a great saviour, haven't we? He's risen from the grave. And we are living in amazing times. Did you know there are 40 million believers now in Indonesia? Muslim Indonesia. Catalyst network of churches now have seven church churches functioning in Turkey. Three times more people now are coming to Christ than new births in the world. I mean, you have to be actively discouraged, don't you? We heard a story of um, an account of a mission trip from America to the Middle East. To the Middle East, reported that 200 refugees in one night saw a man walking through the campsite, and people asked him who it was. He said, I'm Jesus. 200. The same God we're worshipping here this morning. Heard an account as well of a, of a Somalian Muslim man. He smelt this wonderful fragrance in his room, and then he saw a golden cloud come through the wall, and there stood this man. And he asked him who it was, and he said, my name is Jesus. And Jesus said to him, will you follow me? And the man said, no. The next day or week, I can't remember that part of the story, I want to be accurate. He went to hospital to visit his friend who was poorly. And his friend said, oh, I knew you were coming because... Yesterday, this smell, fragrance appeared in my room and this, this golden glitter-like substance came through the wall of the room and this man appeared and his, his name was Jesus. And he, he told me that you'll be coming to me today to visit me. And so he told this man who'd said no to Jesus... Then later that week, in his room, the fragrance appeared. This wonderful golden glitter came through the wall and Jesus appeared before him. And he said, will you follow me now? And he said, yes. And now that Somalian man runs a... Um, a black market radio station 
in Somalia telling people about Jesus. We are living in extraordinary times, church, aren't we? Some of you really do not look convinced this morning. We, you know, we, can I say that again? We are living in extraordinary times, aren't we? You know, this same Jesus who died for our sin, was raised from the dead, sent into heaven, he's at work in the earth till the glory of the Lord covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. I've been asked to speak about generosity from Acts chapter 2. We're going through the book of Acts. If you have a Bible, um, if, is it on the, oh, it's on the screen. Great, okay. Well, I'll read it through for you. Um, so the Spirit's come. 3,000 people have been born again. And uh, we find this new church having to, embryonic church, having to work out what church life is like. And verse 42, and they devoted themselves to apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayers, and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favour with all the people, and the Lord added to their number the day day by day those who were being saved. Something was happening there. They'd received the Holy Spirit, the forgiveness of the Holy Spirit, and there was a, there was a God-imbibed generosity flowing out amongst them that was, abs- that was um, encased in thankfulness to God. Now, what's the source? The question I was reading is, what's the source of such generosity? What what would cause that? And how do you put into words such an internal revolution that was happening in their lives and transformation in their hearts of these people, these new believers? What, What caused it? Was it because they'd come into a lot of money? No, I don't think so. But something had happened that touched their hearts so much that they, they, would, they, turned, they found a river of generosity flowing out of their lives to one another. The Old Testament prophet Ezekiel foresaw this internal transformation. He, he said, he prophesied, in, it was recorded in Ezekiel 36, 25, he said, I will pour pure water over you and scrub you clean. I'll give you a new heart, put a new spirit within you, I'll remove that heart of stone from your body and replace it with a heart that's God-willed, not self-willed. I'll put my spirit in you and make it possible for you to do what I tell you and live by my commands. He saw this coming six or seven hundred years before. You once again will live in the land I gave your ancestors and you will be my people, and I will be your God. He saw it coming. We can read the reality of that from Acts. Something happened internally to these people. It was a spiritual revolution that was going on. It started there, and it's infected the whole world with the glory of God and the presence of Jesus. 
Jesus was chatting late one night. Many of you will know this story, but let's read it again. Jesus was chatting one night with a religious man called Nicodemus, who was trying to work out how such internal change could happen in a human being. Let's listen to it as it was passed on by John, Jesus' disciples. John chapter 3. There was a man of the Pharisees and sect named Nicodemus, a prominent leader among the Jews. Late one night he visited Jesus and said, Rabbi, we all know you are a teacher straight from God. No one could do all that God-pointing, God-revealing acts you do if God weren't with him. Jesus said, you're absolutely right. Take it from me. I love the message translation, by the way. Unless a person is born from above, it is not possible to see what I'm pointing to, to God's kingdom. How can anyone, Nicodemus said, be born when he has already been born and grown up? You can't re-enter your mother's womb and be born again. What are you saying with this born again talk? Jesus said, you're not listening. Listen to me again. Unless a person submits to the original creation, the wind hovering over the water creation, the invisible moving, the visible, the the baptism into a new life, it is not possible to enter God's kingdom. When you look at a baby, it is just that, a body you can look at and touch. But the person who takes shape within is formed by something you can't see through the spirit and becomes a living spirit. So don't be surprised when I tell you, you have to be born from above, out of this world, so to speak. You know well enough how the wind blows the way this way and that. You hear it rustling through the trees, but you have no idea where it comes from or where it's heading next. That is the way it is with everyone born from above by the wind of God, the Spirit of God. And all God's people had to say something. Amen. Amen. You see, these first disciples were given, when they were born again and filled with the Holy Spirit, they were given a new identity. They weren't the same anymore. They're new. All things become new. And also a new way of living, and that's what they were working out here. How how does it work for the 3,000 people all of a sudden got this new life. What's it going to look like and how you relate to one another and how you're going to do the spiritual life? How are you going to do God? That's what we're looking into today. And they've been touched by God's mercy and God's grace. That's the short of it, long and short of it. And Danny, thank you for reading that, that passage of Scripture about mercy because we don't talk about, enough about mercy. We talk a lot about grace and rightly so, but it's mercy and grace. I'm going to, you, you've got embarrassing moments, but I have the privilege of telling you from the front my, one of my most embarrassing moments. When we were at Norwich, as a, as a, a friend, um, come to appreciate, it's a bit wacky, and um, then that week, um, one particular week, we went to the, the, the Stonely Bible Week, and I saw him walking along through the tents, and I said, Martin, how are you? And I ran up to him and you know, did the man hug thing. And he said, I don't know you. <laughs> I said, come on, it's Graham. And I gave him a kiss on the side of the cheek. He said, I don't know you. I don't want you. Who are you? What are you doing? I said, Martin, stop playing around. It's me. He said, no, I'm his brother. I've got a brother. You must have met my twin brother. 
I said, you're joking. He said, no, um, didn't you know he's got a twin brother? They were identical twins. I felt such a plonker. I went, ooh, I've kissed him. <laughs> so in the end, I saw him. I said, no, which one are you? <laughs> now, grace and mercy and grace are twins, but they're not identical. They're different. Let's, let you, will you understand, please, that we have a God of mercy? You will receive mercy. You see, mercy, in short, is God not giving us what we deserve. You got that? You are, because if God is merciful to you and He's merciful to me, I'm, I'm not getting stuff that I deserve. Right? And grace is God giving us something we don't deserve. That's the gospel. A famous, um, a famous preacher, Charles Spurgeon, somebody said to him, I cannot believe the loving God would allow anybody to go to hell. What do you say to that? Spurgeon says, I cannot believe a holy God would allow anyone into heaven. You see, that in a nutshell, that's a gospel. Jesus died on that cross, and we've been to Jerusalem this year, we saw it. It's above a bus station now, place of the schools, a bus station in front of him. But on that cross, Jesus died so that we might be forgiven. We don't have to spend eternity in hell, and hell exists. But our future is with God. That's mercy and grace. And as we live out that, from that place of mercy and grace, transformation takes place in our hearts of gratitude. In Titus chapter 3, he's saying the same thing. He said this, At one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating everyone. But when the kindness and love of God, our Saviour, appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we've done, not because of righteous things we've done, not because of righteous things we've done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth, what Jesus talked about, and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously. 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 Have you been filled with the Spirit? Generously. Through Jesus Christ, our Saviour, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs and have a hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. I love that. Because that describes to me what was happening earlier in the, when the church was first birthed, when the Spirit came and they were working it all out. Why were this generosity? Because they'd received mercy and grace. And that was, it flowed out of them. You see, being recipients of amazing mercy and grace will transform your heart. When you have a fresh revelation of what God has just done for me and the generosity that he stays with me, 
and he's kind to me and he's forgiving and he keeps giving me his spirit. Man, that does something in your heart. It really does. And if you're struggling being generous, it may be because you've just lost, or you've even got it, or lost sight of this. And you're missing out on so much joy. The joy is ours when we outrageously bless others. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church in in, in, uh, Galatia, which is modern-day Turkey, said this, whenever we have the opportunity... We have, to do, we have to do what is good for everyone, especially the household of believers. So he's saying, look, just do good. Be generous to everyone when you have the opportunity. And we have the opportunity, don't we? I mean, on this, we've only been on this sabbatical. I, have, I really want to hear God more. That's, that's the big thing for me. So I'm praying, God, I, how do you speak to me? Trying to define God's voice so I know it for me. And I've been praying that. And there is a um, the place where we're staying. There was a, um, a groundsman and um, called Alex. How do you say? Andres. Andres sounds very <laughs> sounds like Ursula Andres to me. But Andres is a man, and he would be coming and, and do stuff around the house. And I felt God say, "It's, it's just a flash through my mind. Buy him a leg of lamb." Mm. Nah, it's just a thought. So I carried him. And I said to her, I just feel I need to be honest with you. We need to go and buy him a, a leg of lamb. And so she's getting used to me now with these outrageous sort of weird things. So we went into the village and we went and bought, actually, they hadn't got a leg of lamb. They'd sold out. We had to go back twice. But anyway, and I came back with this leg of lamb. And I was, I was walking, leg of lamb. I was walking around trying to find him through the trees and the, the grounds. Where and I couldn't find him. And I thought, I'm a. And in actual fact, I was hoping I won't find him, and then I could have it. And I hadn't heard God because I love lamb. I just love rosemary and oh, we picked a pomegranate. Put pomegranate. It was lovely. Okay. And in the end, we found him, and he can't speak a word of English. He's trying to do Google, Google Translate, and I'm trying to do. Hey, you know, all that stuff. And then the other guy said, Andres, gift. She'd worked it out, so we'd worked it out. Gift. And she gave him, we, sorry, no, I gave, we gave him the leg of lamb. He started to cry. There was a power encounter of the kingdom of God on this man's And he had to go home with his leg of lamb. And I thought that was interesting because, you see, generosity is an international language. In actual fact, it's a supernatural language. It's a supernatural language. I went to buy a leg of lamb from Tesco's yesterday, just as illustration. Do you like lamb? Are you a vegetarian? Have it. They'll be the only people in the UK this day that have gone to church and go back with a leg of lamb. <laughs> this is supernatural. Now, the funny thing is about this, when I went to go to Tesco's to get it, I thought, well, okay, Lord, I'll do this because I want to I be generous. I looked, I was rummaging around, I thought, cool, that's expensive. <laughs> leg of lamb, that much. 
cheaper in Spain. But I thought, well, I put it back, and I thought, oh, there's half a leg of lamb, and that's half the price. So people, people won't mind if I give half a leg of lamb as an illustration this morning. And I went away, and I just felt that little tug of God, that little thought, oh, no, a whole leg of lamb. A whole leg of lamb. So I have to put the half leg of lamb back <laughs> and go buy the whole leg of lamb. Now, why do I think is Graham's being very naive? No, what I'm trying, I'm trying to communicate something to you of following through on those thoughts because we've got to learn to give, hear God from the heart, not just the thought because my natural mind will stop me moving in the generosity that I believe the Holy Spirit will prod. Yeah. And the likelihood is that the more you receive, the more you give. So you want to bless somebody else. Give the dog a bone afterwards, you know, when you've eaten it. <laughs> Just be a blessing. When we were at Norwich, thinking about the early church, this little old lady called Ethel, I called her St. Ethel of Norwich. She was in her 80s. She was about four foot six and shrinking. And every Sunday, she would open a house to people in the church, anybody who wanted to come for a meal. And it was always boiled potatoes, cold ham, and salad. What was for pudding? Bread and butter. Bread and butter. And a cup of tea. And a cup of tea. That was outrageous generosity from one elderly person who lived in a one-bedroom, ground-floor flat. But that woman sowed seeds of generosity across the church. Even now, eight, 17 years later, I'm speaking about. She hadn't got a fancy car. She didn't drive a BMW or Mercedes-Benz or Rolls-Royce. She didn't even have a car. But she loved the Lord and she loved his people. And many people, single people, married couples, found a place to go on a Sunday if they wanted to. People never abused it. But she loved the church and she loved people. That's what I believe I'm reading today in Acts chapter 2. There was always a cup of tea afterwards too. You see, her vision, her generosity fueled a common vision to expand this outrageous gospel. And it is outrageous. Two thieves on a cross. One would be with him in paradise on that day. That's outrageous. That's outrageous. Do you get it? Are you getting it, church? It's outrageous. God's grace, God's mercy. See, generosity is a river. It's not a lake. We, we, we went into the Dead Sea. It's overrated. It's a dreadful place. All mud and salt in the wrong places. You just don't believe what they say. <laughs> but the thing about the, the Dead Sea is dead. <laughs> it's dead. You know, some of you know what I'm going to say. Because it's dead because all these good nutrients are flowing in, but there's no outflow. There's no outflow. You, you have good teaching here. Can I say that? You have very good, varied teaching here. 
The nutrients will flow into your life day in. You've got all the stuff on the internet till kingdom come. But if there's no outflow, it's going to be dead. Give some away. Live that generous life. Let it be team. Let your life be like the Galilee that's full of life, teeming with life. John Bunyan said this, you have not lived today until you have done something for someone who could never repay you back. But it's so easy to drift off from being generous. From that daily demonstration of kingdom generosity, we have to keep working at being generous to help others. The Jerusalem church began to drift. I can't... I, you know, you, sometimes you have to join the dots up. You see... We read in Acts chapter 2, they were, they were being generous because they've got this vision. It's not just God's blessed me and I feel forgiven, and I've got mercy, but we're a part of something that's going to go global. They didn't know that one day Jesus would be walking through walls of a Somalian guy. It's global. It's global. They, they just saw the beginnings of it. And they said, like, we want to give in to this. We want to give in to it. But it's so easy to drift. It, it, I worked it out. James, chap, Book of James, yeah, you had a Book of James? He was a leader of the church in Jerusalem at the time. All this was happening. And he writes later on, ten years later on, in the Book of James, chapter 2, he said, What good is it, brethren, if someone claims to have faith but no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of... You say to them, go in peace and keep warm, or like we say that, I'll pray for you. <laughs> if one of you says, go in peace and keep warm and be well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. Now, what was happening here, 10 years, they'd lost track of something. Have you ever lost track of something? Have you ever lost track of gratitude to God? Can I see a hand? Have you ever? Lo- I'm going to put two up because I've lost. I've, I lose track. Can be honest. Some of you have obviously never lost track of the goodness of God, right? I have. I just have to come back to that realization that He's a good God. He's a good God to us. All the time. He's a good God. A dear friend, when we were away on sabbatical, we heard that his 40-year-old daughter, she's 40, 40 years old, wasn't she? 38? Within two weeks of being ill, she died. Two kids. And he's writing a book called Hope at the moment, church leader. And at the funeral service, which we couldn't be at, we were still in France travelling back. We just celebrated the fact that God is good all the time. Even though there are question marks, God is good. You see, I'm trying to work out what happened to the Jerusalem church. I think it just become a bit of a head thing and not a heart thing, because it can vacillate, can't it, between the head and the heart. But James was saying, no, let's keep it a heart thing. You know, don't give half a leg of lamb when you can give 
when I'm saying give the full leg of lamb because I will be your provider. Enter into enter this wonderful life with me that you cannot outgive me because I'm a generous God. I'll keep pouring more in. Perhaps it was a kind of mental rationalising what was taking place rather than from a spirit filled with a heart sustained by ongoing appreciation of the Father's mercy and grace. Church, you know that one of our common culture is generosity. Let's keep embracing that. I know, I know I'm preaching to the choir for many of you, if not most of you. But what a joy it is when you sometimes you come to church and you see somebody bring a, a tray of vegetables in or I say, just help yourself. That's beautiful, isn't it? Stories here of this church. This is a, a magnificent church. I want to say if you're a, a newcomer, this is a magnificent, generous church. Just I'm having to preach on this because we're going through the Acts of the Apostles. We hear stories of people receiving gifts through letterbox because of um, knowing that somebody was in need and are doing it anonymously. Cars have been even given. Just outrageous generosity. That is what helps sustain the church. The Apostle Paul, on his final farewell to the church at Ephesus, what does he say to these leaders they gathered at the, the shore just outside of Ephesus? He's not going to see them again. And he wants that church to thrive. And he says this, In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Because he knew this would safeguard the church. This would safeguard the future of the church, that it would keep in that spirit of generosity, that walking in the spirit, it would keep the church spiritually healthy. It's great to hear what God's happening, what God's doing while we've been away. Was it five baptisms? 15, 16 plus people on Alpha? Is that right at the minute? I mean, I've worked it out. The more we're away, the more the church grows. But can I just say, God is amongst us. God is amongst us. We want his spirit to live with us, don't we? And breathe through us. Back to the story of the beginning of Acts. As you can sense, the sense of momentum as the church grew and God's kingdom was being manifested in power with healings, breakthrough, opposition and more breakthrough. People from many nations were coming to Jerusalem and encountering the living God. This was exactly what the prophets proclaimed what happened. Isaiah 2, 3 said this, and many peoples will come, come let us go to the mountain of the Lord, that's talking about Jerusalem, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. For the Lord will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. You see, the Holy Spirit was filling the believers and in turn they were generously giving to fuel the mission of the church. In Acts 4.32, that's the other part of the passage I've got to read to you. 
um, a few weeks further on, verse 32, it said this, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said any of the things um, that belonged to him was their own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of Jesus and the great grace, and great grace was upon them all. Wow, what would that look like? There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of the lands and houses sold them and brought the proceeds. I've not noticed that before, actually. I've just seen lands, but even sold houses and brought the proceeds that were sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. It was distributed to each as they had need. Thus Joseph, who was called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, he was a Levite, a, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought it and laid the money at the apostles' feet. Had Barnabas not sold that field, I don't know what would have happened. God wouldn't have known. But I know it fueled the mission of the church. This is serious heart stuff. Serious heart stuff. You see, when Barnabas, or Joseph as he was named, sold that field and he laid it at the apostles' feet, there was trust there. Because God, he, he was responding from the heart. You can't do that sort of thing, just responding from only the head. It will mess you up. But this outrageous act of Barnabas took generosity to a new level. And it took the ministry of the kingdom through the local church there to new heights. And there will be times ahead that will provide us to experience the joy of giving to a new level in the expansion of what the Lord is doing. Not many of us have fields, but if he has all our hearts, then everything we have is his. Should he ever knock at the door of our hearts? I know what your bucket list is. World cruise? Maybe. <laughs> Whatever. But what if your bucket list would be one day, if I could, by the grace of God, give a year's salary? What if I could? I'd love to be able to do that. I'd love to be able to do it. Wouldn't that be a, a, a bucket list item? <laughs> wow. Jesus, just before he went to the cross, it's recorded in the Gospel of John, a moment of extreme extravagance and generosity where this woman called Mary, and she had a checkered history, believe me, from what we, we know, she didn't need to go there, but she, yeah, she'd put herself around. But she'd met the mercy and the grace of the Lord Jesus. And it said in John 12, then Mary took a, about a pint of pure nard 
That cost more, that would have cost more than Chanel number five. An expensive perfume. She poured it on the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with fragrance. Remember the fragrance coming through the door? The fragrance of perfume. And it says in John 12, it was worth a year's wages. That's, that's crazy. And the religious one, Judas, said, that should have been given to the poor. Well, we give to the poor. But this was given to Jesus. Because Jesus had Mary's heart. You see, you can, Jesus said to some of the Pharisees, look, you, you, you tithe, you tithe your mint, <laughs> tithe is not the issue. Jesus, it's not about tithe, it's about your heart. It's about your heart. There are times in my life where I have to keep coming back and surrendering it all again. To give him my heart again. I don't know why. I should be more spiritual, but I have to keep doing it. Because it's a hard thing. But just imagine what can happen when the church gives its heart to Jesus. What it will give back. Because the more we give, the more we receive. You might never have a Rolls Royce dropped on your front garden. But you'll have riches in heaven. You'll have riches even on earth, spiritual riches on earth. We're going to close, but close, conclude by um, you just sit there and watch a video song. If you might want to stand, actually, it might be a good place to encounter God now. Because I, I, I did sense the Holy Spirit say. There's some exchanges to happen today. And perhaps it's all right, Richard, if we just, just in this moment, just watching. If, if you know that you want to give your heart afresh, and don't be looking, well, he's, he, no, no, you stand during this song and um, give it to Jesus again. Give it to Jesus again. Father, we thank you that you gave it all. It wasn't just a head thing with you. You gave it all. You gave your heart, Lord. Even your heart was ruptured on that cross because of your love for us. We love you, Lord. Please move now by your spirit as we just listen to these wonderful words you've given.